The following audio is from First Hamilton Christian Reformed Church, where our vision is to be transformed by the gospel so that we can participate with God in his work of renewing all things in Christ. For more information about First Hamilton, visit www.firsthamilton.ca. We have now arrived at the end of the first half of our Rhythms for Life series. Alistair Stern divides it roughly into two parts. One, the first part here was we're formulating our identity, who we know ourselves to be. And the second part will be about crafting these rhythms for life. And so, as we have discerned who God has made us to be, we have gone through our identity, our gifts, our talents, our personalities, our virtues. And last week, Hayden walked us through the many hats we wear in our roles. And now, all of this culminates in a conversation on vocation. Now, vocation and calling, it does not necessarily equal your job or career. While when you Google it, the definition of vocation is a strong feeling of suitability for a particular career or occupation, I find that to be too narrow because this conversation of vocation is bigger than just our nine to five, bigger than where we collect our paycheck. We have not gone through all this soul searching, understanding who God has created us to be, just to best figure out where we should punch the clock every week. And in fact, some of you might be retired, and you might have looked at the sermon title and think, vocation, I am well beyond that. I've put in my time. I don't need another job. I am enjoying myself as is. Keep enjoying yourself. This is not about a job search. Even if you are retired, perhaps you're unemployed, you simply don't want to work a traditional job. There is still much here for you. In fact, there is just as much in this conversation of vocation as there is for anyone, regardless of your stage of life. Because Alistair Stern, he puts it this way. He says, simply put, our vocation is our identity lived out uniquely before God. Each of us has a unique then call on our lives, but vocation has a couple of umbrella terms, terms that Alistair Stern highlights. The first comes from Genesis, which he calls the creational vocation. It's hard in the early parts of the Bible. All right. God calls humanity, Adam and Eve, to fill the earth and subdue it, to rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and everything that walks on the ground. This is our creational vocation. This is why we were originally put on the earth. This is where it all begins. This is the first job, you might say, to fill the earth, to subdue it, to rule. This was the original intention of each of us. But it is not a unique call. It is not a unique vocation to us. For Genesis 1.22 shows that all the animals have the same command. When God created everything that crawls upon the ground and flies in the air and swims in the ocean, he also told them to fill the earth. They have a responsibility to multiply and to establish their footprint on all of creation. But then what is unique about our vocational calling? What is unique for us as individuals, as human beings? Because we are given something a little bit more. We are called to rule. 
And Psalm 72 gives us a bit of an understanding of how we might think of ruling. Because another way to translate that is to have dominion. But of course, we want to step away from the idea that that means to dominate. That we are given unilateral control over how creation is to be used, and that we are just given free reign to exploit it for our own personal, personal wealth. For Psalm 72, a psalm of Solomon talks about the wisdom for a king in how he is to rule his subjects. Starting in verse 3, it talks about, May the mountains bring prosperity to the people and the hills the fruit of righteousness. May he, the king, defend the afflicted among people and save the children of the needy. May he crush the oppressor. For ruling, dominion, to be placed in charge of a people group, or as our creational vocation tells us, to be placed in charge of all of creation, it is about care. It is about righteousness, justice, saving the needy and the oppressed. It's not about domination or exploitation. It is not here for our sole use. Genesis 2.15, it reiterates this creational vocation that humankind are to work the garden, to take care of it. This is an important role in creation. We are tied into the wellness and the well-being of this creational community, but given that added measure of responsibility. While all the animals and birds and fish are given the command to multiply, to fill the earth, we are given the command to care. From the Hebrew, to work it, abad, to till. Agricultural development. To draw food from the earth, but also shamar, to protect it, to care for it. Our original call, our creational vocation is to live in community with all of creation, to safeguard it, to protect it, to allow it to flourish. But we are, of course, invited to add our personal touch, to create things in this world as God has created to add personal touches of music, of art, of building, of culture. We are invited to take each of our unique personalities, gifts, and identities and add and continue to add in something to creation, all the while continuing to protect and sustain and rule through it carefully. But of course, if we look around the world, we know that we have fallen far, far, far short of this creational vocation. Because being corrupted by sin, the desire to know good and evil, to make our own decisions beyond anything else. It has become hard to live this calling out because we do not always have the interests of creation at our hearts and minds. We lack perspective or perhaps the desire to contribute to creational flourishing. Perhaps the resources. We don't know what to do. We can't look too far beyond ourselves. Just last week, the UN International Plant Panel on Climate Change released its sixth assessment, and it shows that the earth is very needy, very poor, and very oppressed. By failing to live fully into our creational vocation to work and protect creation, we are also impeding creation's own ability to live into its vocation. By pumping carbon dioxide into the atmosphere, we are contributing to melting ice caps, 
to rising temperatures in oceans, acidification, increasingly violent weather storms. All of this is preventing the birds, the fish, and everything that walks on land from adequately filling creation and contributing to this wonderful ecosystem that God has designed. And by continuing to refuse to renounce this lifestyle, to refusing to turn away from pumping CO2 into the atmosphere and living in ways that degradate all of creation for our own personal wealth and well-being, we continue to turn our backs on this original call and continue to inflict harm and oppress all of creation and separate ourselves from the community that God has entrusted us to care and protect. Which is why it is so essential, why we so desperately need the next aspect of vocation that Stern highlights, the redemptive vocation that we find in Jesus. For Christ, he is leading the redemption of our original calling, restoring our ability to live a life that contributes to creational flourishing. He calls us to account By the nature of the Holy Spirit, which he has left as a helper, he points out in our lives the ways in which we have spurned our original call. He highlights the ways in which we degradate creation, by which we oppress our brothers and sisters, the ways in which we refuse to care and protect. And Jesus helps us restore the responsibility to realize this initial vision. He does not replace it. He does not get rid of this creational call, but he breathes new life into it and helps us better see the ways in which we can contribute to creational flourishing. Barbara Taylor Brown writes that there is no work too small to play a part in the work of creation. So as we look at the way in which the world suffers, as we look at the way in which climate change not only negatively impacts our creation, but also third world countries, the poor and the oppressed continue to be more poor, more oppressed, more at risk by environmental degradation. And we may think that, well, there's nothing I can do. I'm just one person. But everyone has a role to play in this creational vocation, and in the redemption that Christ is bringing about. It doesn't mean that we all have to drop everything we do and go into the environmental sciences. You could if you want. I'd welcome it. But we need to more critically think about why we do what we do, where we are in life, our current jobs, our current life place. Why are we here? For, for Alistair Stern, he says that vocation is what informs the why of what you do, your purpose. And more than that, if we think back to the roles and the different hats we wear, how does your vocation change the way in which you live out those roles? How would it look to take your role as a father, as a daughter, as a co-worker, as an employer and employee, if you took a moment to think about that creational vocation to care and protect, what would change in your life? How is Christ redeeming your roles to bring about creational flourishing? For John, 
writes in his gospel. He records the words of Jesus, that Jesus has come that they may have life and have it to the full. And this is not just about our spiritual well-being. That is still, once again, far too narrow a look, but life for all of creation. How is Jesus transforming your roles, using your unique identity to bring about the redemption of all things? And it is out of this redemptive identity, out of this care for all people and all things, that our third vocation flows out of, which Petra read for us from the Gospel of Matthew, that we are to go out and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Spirit. This is our missional vocation. And this is a supplement to our creational vocation, not a replacement. For too many times in our church history have we looked at this as the be-all and end-all, that we need to save souls, we need to make disciples, get butts in those pews, and then we are living our vocation fully. Everything should be oriented towards that. But this is something, this missional vocation that breathes new and increasingly exciting life into our creational vocation. For not just protecting and sustaining creational flourishing, but now it has the added element of pointing to Jesus. It refers back to that redemptive identity that we have. We are a people saved and transformed by grace. And as we endeavor to protect all of the creation, we, we witness to that transformation. Each of our vocation, our vocational statements, our roles, they have the added emphasis on pointing to Christ, pointing to the ways in which Christ has already transformed us and as we pursue Christ-likeness in each of our roles of our lives. For Alistair Stern writes that this missional vocation, it's about recognizing God's love on the move. We receive God's love so that we might bring it to others. And it is these broad, sweeping calls on our lives that inform our roles that becomes our vocation. But of course, it would be contrary to everything that we have established this far, highlighting our uniqueness in our identity, our gifts, to simply leave it at, these are everyone's vocation and these exact words as I have brought them to you. And this is where my work as the preacher ends, and this is where your work begins. To articulate your personal vocation, your unique call under this umbrella of creational, redemptive, and missional vocation that God has placed each in, in each of your hearts. So if you've been following along and doing, doing the homework up until this point, take your identity statements, your gifts, your talents, your personalities, your virtues, your roles. Reflect on them. See what are they pointing to and how might I better understand my unique call and how it informs everything I do in our lives. A good place to start is in your heart. Where Barbara Taylor Brown says, vocation is what feeds our heart, warms our soul. Alistair Stern invites us to listen to our deepest desires, those things that we want to see so desperately happen in the world, but also listen to our greatest sorrows. What breaks your heart when you look out into your community, into the city, into our country and our world? 
For this is where the Holy Spirit stirs each of our hearts. The things that make us want to weep, the things that we simply cannot stand that exist in this world. What moves you? Allow the Holy Spirit to lead you towards this vocational call. Perhaps you've been participating in the Inconvenient Indian Book Study, and the Holy Spirit has been working and stimulating a desire, likely born out of sorrow, to become a more dynamic agent of reconciliation between the settlers of Canada and our First Nations, to participate in bringing about new life and meaning and self-determination to marginalized people groups. Your vocational statement should be short and sweet, something easy to remember, not unlike a slogan. Just do it. Something that encapsulates your virtues, your values. Start by asking the question, why are you here? What is your purpose? Why has God caused you to be born in a specific place at a specific time? Why has he created you in this way? This helps us see our purpose, to look and see at all that God has given us. And perhaps your vocational statement could look like this. I've collected a few examples from part of our book study. To encourage community towards creational flourishing. To create as God is creator, unveiling his beauty. To be a mobilizer of joy. To be a catalyst of movements. These short statements have so much weight and meaning to the people who write them. For me, it is about encouraging community towards creational flourishing. Because I look at those reports from the IPCC. That is what brings me sorrow. The Spirit moves it in my heart to look for ways to end environmental degradation. To encourage, though, because despair can only take us so far. We need hope in this fight. And so I feel that in my role as a husband, as a brother, as a pastor, as a colleague, that in each of those roles, God has equipped me to be an encourager in community because it is not something I can see done in isolation to move us towards creational flourishing, to stopping environmental degradation, and to participate in the fullness of God's plan for redemption for all things. And so as you go into this week, as you encounter each of your different roles, as you are called on to use your gifts, think about your vocation, that underlying statement of your life that the Holy Spirit has laid down and placed in your heart that informs everything you do. Thinking about why you are here. Why have you been created? How do you specifically lead to the care and protection, to ruling well this earth? How has Christ redeemed you and invited you to participate in his redemptive work. And finally, how does living out your call, how does your vocation show Jesus to others? How does it show God's love is on the move? 
in society. Because as into the coming weeks, as we craft our rhythms for life, we'll begin to look at how we come before God to receive an affirmation of our identity, an affirmation of our vocation, but also to know his heart for this world better. And as we begin to continue to look inward, our rhythms will take us outward. And it is this outward rhythm where I think our vocation is most fully lived out. And as we leave the doors of this church this morning, as you log off the live stream, as we go about into our week, as Monday rolls through Tuesday and Wednesday, I would invite you to be continually thinking about how God has called you, specifically you, into something unique and fantastic that brings about new life, not only to yourself, but everyone you interact with. For it is this new life that stimulates our vocation, whether we are employed or not, no matter what stage of life we are at, vocation informs all that we do. Let us pray. God Almighty, as we think about vocation, it can feel large, it can feel overwhelming to have something so, so immense govern our lives. And we would ask that your spirit would be the one to breathe that life into us. As we struggle to perhaps find our place, or maybe are looking for affirmation that we are in the right spot, help us to know how you have equipped us, how you have inspired us to live out these creational, redemptive, and missional vocations in our life. Holy Spirit, this coming week, uncover our greatest desires. Help us to not shy away from our deepest sorrows so that we may participate in the fullness of creational flourishing, to be agents of reconciliation, and to participate in the healing and renewal that you are already bringing. Amen.